Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastor's Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 2, The Fruits of True Faith. Our text to begin is Acts chapter 2 from verse 42 to verse 47, which says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This passage should be thought-provoking, convicting, and informative to us. In the beginning of the chapter, none of these people believed on Jesus. It's an amazing statement then that we've just read about their behavior at the end of the chapter. The Holy Spirit fell on the apostles and the people heard them praising God in their own native tongues. Most were amazed by this since they saw the apostles were from Galilee. They couldn't understand how Galileans could be speaking so many different foreign languages. Some people mocked, suggesting the apostles were drunk. I want us to really think about the dramatic change that happens in these people's lives through just the one thing happening. And that one thing that happened is that they became believers in Jesus Christ. Since this happened on the Feast of Pentecost, I'm sure that celebration <coughs> excuse me, was the focus of each person as they were beginning the day. There were various things that would happen at the feast. It was centered around the offering of the first fruits. There would have been things that each individual and each family was preparing to take part in. Where does the gospel find each person? It finds us busy with our own lives. When Jesus recommissioned Peter to feed his sheep, he made this statement about Peter's past and future. In John 28, verse 18 and 19, we read, Truly, I truly, 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 I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Every person lives as if they are their own master. They plan their life according to their own purpose and goals. It's wrong that we do that. God created us and owns us. Yet, we don't acknowledge his authority over us, and so we live according to what seems best to us. That's where the gospel found each of these people who heard Peter preach at the day of Pentecost. They were living for themselves, like every other person. But when they believed the truth of the gospel, what happened to them? It's really quite amazing. It says, first of all, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's a primary characteristic to those who have genuine saving faith. They love God's word, and they want to know him through his word. 
The psalmist says this of God's word in Psalm 119, verse 162. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Does that describe you? Do you have that kind of appetite and zeal for knowing God through his word? The next thing we see is that these people were devoted to assembling with each other. Hebrews tells us this about the necessity of fellowshipping with the body of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, we read, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Everything Christians do is supposed to be done in the community of the body of Christ. Some people have told me they are free to worship God beside this rock or under that tree, and they don't need to attend church. That statement is a misunderstanding and probably reveals they are not saved since they have no desire to be with God's people. We are commanded not to forsake the fellowship, not to forsake the assembly. Next, we see these people were devoted to the breaking of bread, which is a reference to the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Most churches don't celebrate the Lord's table as frequently as we see these people doing. Jesus didn't give a prerequisite in the Bible about how often the church must celebrate the Lord's table. He just said, as often as you do it, do so in remembrance of me. We see these early Christians lived a pattern of daily remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. That's instructive and convicting, is it not? When we turn our eyes to coveting the world's things and other sins, are we meditating upon Jesus' death for us? Certainly not. Giving in to temptation does not happen all at once. It shows there's been a lapse in devotion to God for some time. We see that in this fellowship there was commitment to prayer. The Bible tells believers to pray without ceasing. One of the great ministries of the church is to pray. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul gives prayer as a first of all instruction. In 1 Timothy 2, from verse 1 to 4, we read, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But even with those devoted to prayer, how many are devoted to the things of God in prayer rather than their own things? I mean, how many people pray for God's desires rather than praying for their own desires? Don't many people just pray asking for the things that they want? How often do we pray for the salvation of our leaders in comparison with praying for personal provision? Then we see something even more astonishing. It says all who believed were together and had all things common. There are some who interpret this behavior as happening because Jesus predicted Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. We could understand people selling property they, would, they knew would be of no value. However, that doesn't explain the behavior of giving the proceeds of whatever they sold to those who had needs. 
If they were primarily motivated by their knowledge that real estate in Jerusalem would soon be worthless, you would think they would have used the income from their sales to move to a new location and purchase other land. But that's not what we see them doing. They gave what extra they had to meet the needs of others. You see that these people totally gave up on the world and left off pursuing worldly things once they heard about the true purpose of life. It was the same reaction the disciples had when Jesus first called them. They left their jobs, homes, and families to follow Jesus. You know, friends, there are too many professing followers of Jesus who live as if they are taking Jesus along with them to fulfill their own plans. That is not what we see the fruit of true faith is. And since we are to judge lives as we judge trees by the fruits they produce, I would say that mentality shows many profession, professing Christians have never actually been saved. They've deceived themselves into thinking you can contradict the Bible and instructions from Christ and yet still be his follower. Jesus gave a very simple measuring tool for gauging whether a person loves him or not. He said this in John 14 verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's quite easy to understand. People who truly love Jesus will do what he commands. Though someone claims to love him, if they don't obey him, we can clearly see they don't really love him. Did this lifestyle of these early believers, did their lifestyle suck all the joy and happiness out of their existence? Here they are giving up all they had ever worked for and spending all their time in church. Some people might say that sounds miserable. Well, their testimony was that they daily received their food together with glad and generous hearts. These people were enjoying themselves. Someone once asked me why we don't see believers behaving this way anymore. Well, that's not completely true. There are still believers who do live this way. But it's also true that they are uncommon, whereas they were common in the first church. It comes down to where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. The gospel should always cause this kind of life. We know nothing in this world will last. We know you can't take anything you have in this world with you when we die. And we know Jesus said that a person's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. We know these things. And yet, many are trapped pursuing the world's goods. Why is that? Because they've believed the lie that life will always be better with the more material things that you get. And that what God has given you materially right now is not enough. Those ideas come from Satan, and many have believed him. The question for ourselves is, what am I pursuing? What change has the gospel made in my life? Has the gospel totally changed who's in charge of my life and where I'm going? Can I say I used to dress myself and make my own plans, but now it's God who directs those things? What does your obedience say about the proof of your love for Jesus? God bless you all.